Welcome back to Chapter Jumps, a reading podcast. We with our with our with our new with our with our new catchphrase. Nope, nope, we're Come not. On. You don't get to just bring this in. Come on, it was so funny no, when you we, just said it. We have the same catchphrase. Where your chumps here no, to talk some chapters? Come on, you gotta, come on, it was really funny. You you, you said never <laughs> never mind the butt cocks. That's what you just said before we started recording. Um, I assumed it was the new catchphrase of, uh, <laughs> for the show. This is honestly the problem. There, I have to say this, and I don't want to say it on the podcast, but now you're making me. Yeah. There is like an act. There's like a danger with talking to you before we start recording because no matter what we say, it's like nothing's off the table. There, there is no such thing as like off the record with you. You have no fucking integrity. You, you have, you have no, no sense of like decorum. You're just like whatever the fuck it is. We're just gonna bring it into here. Into I, I think that there is a a line drawn between those two spheres, and you're like, there's no line. Whatever I, it is, who cares? I didn't realize I was dealing with the with with, with her Majesty. <laughs> I didn't realize I was dealing with the royal family here. It's just more. It's just more about like it's not. Are you Prince relevant. Charles? No, no, no. Here's the thing, you you're taking something that is funny, something that I did say that is funny, and you're blowing your load, buddy. You're like what, five seconds into the podcast, you're like, hey, what about that fucking weird ass thing you said? You know, you gotta I, wait until there is an always, appropriate moment no, no, to no, bring no, no. this into the discussion. This Connor, doesn't. This has nothing to do with anything. You know, I I have been podcasting a fair bit longer than you have. You know. Um, not really. You have it? And you started at the same time. <laughs> no, well, not necessarily. Um, but pretty much, because all the other stuff that you did before then was like amateur bullshit that, that, that doesn't even count, or stuff that you are, did with me anyway. Are you saying that this, you is think this, not, is? this is not amateur bullshit that doesn't count? No, this, no, this is Her Majesty's fucking podcast, buddy. <laughs> You're on it. Well, no. <laughs> okay? So, anyways, Connor, um, being somebody with a little bit more experience is, uh, <laughs> You know, more under his belt, um, so to speak. You need a hook. You need a very strong hook to uh, to to reel the listeners in and, and keep their attention. So uh, so that's kind of like you know right off the bat. I just like to do a little yeah. a little one two punch. But you what know? you do is a bait and switch. You talk about something that we're never going to cover in the podcast, except for this diatribe of what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, I know that's that's exactly my strategy. Uh, well, you know what I have to say to all that. Never mind the butt cocks. Thank you. Here's the podcast. Thank you, Connor. See, it works too. That was good. Don't don't feed the trolls. Uh, today we are going to be talking about chapters three and four of book five of the Return of the King, the Muster of Rohan, and the Siege of Gondor. These were uh, another pair of long chapters in which many things occurred. Um, Specifically. So we, we have a lot to talk about here. You know, the thing that I wanted to mention on the podcast before we really got started, um, it wasn't all the weird shit that Connor had to, to interject with and say, um, but it's been, it really has been a while 
you gotta, no you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta do it. You gotta do the thing. You gotta do the thing. You gotta do the thing. It's been a while. Okay, thank you. That's from uh Wait, Josh, early two thousands rock. Josh, band. can you guess the band? No, I can't. Josh is Josh didn't know Tax Man, Connor. Have you ever heard that song, Josh? He and it's been a while since I hear the old man hit And you might think Connor is like hamming it up and like singing it goofy, but no, it that's, does that's sound exactly, like he's hamming it up. That's exactly how the guy. Wait, 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 Josh! Did you just say it sounds familiar? Do you know that? Song? No, I said it does sound like you're hamming it up. Oh, well, that, I was agreeing with him about the hammer. Yeah, up he he's not though, because that's exactly how the guy sounds when he's singing the song. Wait, so you didn't you didn't recognize it when I did that just now, though, Josh? I did not recognize your rendition of it. Now, do you want to hear it one more time? No, one, I do not. Just one more time. That might that might just uh, you know it might jog, jog your memory, jog his memory. But yeah, you have not a good, just on vocals. You have a good memory for like melody and and sound and that's what he says. Yep. that is that's what he says. Yeah, I do, he but I I am not. Your performance there did not jog any memory. He and it's been a while since I hear her that, that could have been your best. Alright, nothing, Josh? It's nope. stained. Stained. With and I bet and you won't believe how they spell the the bend. <laughs> <laughs> you, you won't believe it. Do they you use know, an eight? No, you know, typically they they uh, spell stained S T A I N E D. These motherfuckers, they're like, take out that motherfucking E. We don't need that E. We don't need that fucking E. We're a rock and roll band. Yeah. We're gonna do things a bit differently, and they yes. sure did. Um, they sure did. What I was gonna say is, it's been a while. It's been a while since I have been drunk on the podcast. Um, no one's, no one's, I mean, like, have you been just like blissfully unaware or just like, you didn't want to like jinx anything and you're just like happy with the way things have been going or I don't know, because I, I just, I just wanted to mention, like, I've been sick for like weeks and weeks. Like I've, I've not been drinking for the sake of health. And tonight I feel like I could finally have, you know, a couple whiskeys. So yeah, you can let loose. I, I, I think, um, you know, with with COVID, there is a thing called COVID brain. You know, and so I think, I think there is very little difference between you having COVID brain and you having a few drinks in your system. Hmm. Did you have COVID? I did. I, uh, I did. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all right. It's, it's you know, that's just the the nature of. The modern day, you know, the the government has decided that it's just the flu, so don't worry about it. Um, cool thing about well, that's, uh, that's so, it, sorry guys, while we're talking about COVID, while we're talking about COVID, I do have to say it's it's been fun. I'm working at a foot doctor's office. I'm not sure if I've brought this up on the podcast. Um, yeah, and so it's very fun all, all day hearing conversations um, between the doctor who is who is like sixty five and and her patients who are older than sixty five about about the vaccine and their their <laughs> their theories. On it. it's just, it's just kind of a fun a fun treat to get to hear all these I hope different the, thoughts. Uh, I, I hope the patients are the ones bringing the theories and not the doctor. 
Ah, I mean, yeah, you would hope that. Oh, dear. Hmm. You would hope that. You know... You, you can know as much as there is to know about the human foot and be completely about oblivious to, uh, yeah, yes. to, to, to the greater knowledge of, uh, of disease. It's, it's just one, one isolated uh, sphere of knowledge, you know? Very and there's true. a lot to know about the foot. Oh, yeah. But there's yeah. even more to know than just feet, you know? Absolutely. Speaking from experience. Uh, wow. Well said, Connor. To me, about me. Um, there's just one more thing I wanted to mention in general, but like it actually does have to do with Lord of the Rings, so I'm going to start like segueing and getting into the chapter discussion. Um, okay. I can get behind this. So, so last episode, um, I had mentioned that Tolkien writes the word Wains, W-A-I-N-S. He says it like several times. And um, I think Josh specifically was like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I didn't really, like, notice or think about it that much. And I was like, yeah, well, I'm like, I'm pretty sure from the context of just reading it, I think it just means, like, kids, like children. But then I was, reading, yes. I was reading, I was reading, so chapter four here, The Siege of Gondor, not to jump ahead, but it's, you know, obviously relevant to what I'm bringing up here. They mention as the orcs are digging these great, these trenches that they bring about these great wanes. And so suddenly I was like, great wanes in the trenches? Like, they don't have just, like, giant eight-foot children, like, leading the charge. Like, what the <laughs> fuck does this actually mean? So I looked it up, and just for the purpose of, uh, you know, in, in our constant effort to improve the podcast and, and have the most accurate, comprehensive, and in-depth discussion that we strive for each episode, and mind you, we certainly do, Wayne's does not mean kids. Has nothing to do with Wayne's world. What about Wayne Brady? You know, you Sorry. would think that, Josh, uh, but not even the man himself, Mr. Wayne Brady, it's just an old English word for wagons. Oh. Okay. So that's it. So all the times that they said wagons and I just thought they were talking about like fucking toddlers running around like an idiot. You, you <laughs> doesn't mean this, that. You, you, you thought that this, this book was just littered with toddlers. There's just toddlers everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, they like they got to the city at first, and they talk about like all the kids in the first ring of the city, and yep. yeah, yeah, I know. Pippin's hanging. You know, there there were reasons, but uh, just for the record, that's not what it means at all. It means wagons. So, thank you for looking that up. Yes, yeah. Um, I I really felt I compelled to forgotten to do so when I when I came across the word again in a context. That made me realize there's no fucking way it could mean children. I was like, well, since I recorded myself saying I think it means children, I should probably at least address it. Yeah, especially since you're an English uh, teacher. Ah, uh, English major, Jazz. Major, right? Sorry. Well, you 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 are <laughs> I, involved with in the English language LA. and you teach. <laughs> I do. Yes. You teach us hard knocks. Things, those two things are absolutely true. Um, so with um, that all out of the way, do we feel like we're ready to get into the chapter discussion proper? I'd be down to do that. 
All right. Never mind the butt cocks. Let's talk about the chapters. <laughs> it's it's moments like these that I always get just like this small twinge of sadness that we don't have stupid episode titles anymore because I mean it would just yeah. be a great episode title. <laughs> it would be yeah. yeah. We, maybe we just bring them back starting starting now. Ah, uh, because maybe the change, I don't know. The change doesn't, hasn't doesn't, helped. I guess, but doesn't it feel like... Wouldn't it be so messed up if we just have, like, tens and tens of episodes, you know, like, probably close to, like, 50 episodes yeah. or something now of, like, Hobbit Lord of the Ring discussion, and then suddenly, like, nearly a third of the way through Return of the King, we're like, never mind the buttcocks. That would be really funny, actually, yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I'm gonna think... I'll think about it. Yeah, I, I leave it in your. I mean, I leave it in your hands because otherwise, you know, maybe when we get to whatever our next book is, we just we just say fuck it, you know, and we have a more clean break. But, yeah, that um, might I really be, don't. We, I don't yeah, care. So, I mean, we could um, also just have subtitles and shit. Uh, maybe. Anyways, so chapter three, uh, the muster of Rohan. This chapter picks back up with. Mary and um he's he's been now continuing you know we we get his perspective I guess like staying on with Theoden after Aragorn and the rest of the company have departed for the paths of the dead um and even though I read this chapter today, I, I'm going to do my best to summarize it, but I, I may be leaving some big pieces out because, again, I do feel like there's a lot that we read about here. But I, the broad brush strokes um, are essentially that um, Theoden, the rest of his, you know, uh, party and Mary make it back to Dunharrow where Eowyn and, like, the exiles from Edoras have been, uh, you know, regrouped and gathered. And um, Eowyn gives the news to Theoden about, like, what's the deal with Aragorn? That's how he learns that he's taken the paths of the dead. And he's like, oh, you know, probably will never see that guy again, but... Who knows? He's, you know, still pretty cool. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think especially there's, like, this idea, like, they are going to be gathering back at Edoras. I think, like, initially Theoden is thinking that they're going to, like, uh, congregate and, like, gather their forces back because, you know, things are getting worse. There's there's a darkness that's spreading. Um, but ultimately, a messenger from Gondor, and Minas Tirith specifically, uh, comes to Theoden with this red-tipped arrow, which is, like, this really big sign where it's like, hey, Gondor really fucking needs help. <laughs> and Theoden's like, okay... Um, you know, who am I to turn down the red-tipped arrow? I'll be there in a week. And the messenger is like, wow, um, okay, like, I can't tell you no because you're a king in your own right, but also if you show up in a week, everyone will be dead and there'll be no reason for you to come there. But thank you. Thanks for that. 
Um, Theoden's just like, well, you know, it's kind of just the way it's got to be. And then they sleep on it. <laughs> uh, the next day, uh, they... Uh, as, as like, Mary is awoken and kind of, like, called back into uh, Theoden's uh, council... It's it's clear that in this morning there is there's no dawn as they've said, which is something that I'll want to address and talk a little bit more about. But like, yep, it is literal, and there's sort of this like ongoing night, no matter what time it is now. And this is like a really big sign that things are way worse than they thought even just 24 hours ago. So Theoden's like like oh fuck, um, okay. So instead of taking a week to get to uh, the aid of Minas Tirith. I'm gonna leave, you know, as soon as I can, and you know, travel with all haste to get there. But they're still really far away. But but they they recognize the danger of the situation. They're gonna go there as fast as they can. The big hangup here is, um, even though they stop at Edoras on their way to Minas Tirith, um. Theoden tells Mary that he cannot come with them. He's like, there's no point. Uh, you're really just going to be either a burden or you're not going to have anything to offer. And that really cuts Mary deep because he's been trying to find ways to make himself useful, just like that's kind of what Pippin's been grappling with, and we've mentioned how they're mirroring each other a little bit. Yep. And so Mary, Mary feels like very cast aside and downtrodden in this moment. And lo and behold, uh, a mystery knight from from Rohan's army uh, is like, hey, don't worry about what the king tells you. Um, you should just do what you want instead. And Mary's like, oh, I didn't think you can that. do that? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Dernhelm and, is her name. Yes, Dernhelm. And so uh, Mary and Dernhelm ride off, unbeknownst to Theoden, uh, in in the the host of Rohan, and the chapter ends with them, uh, you know, setting forth to to go to the aid of Minas Tirith. Hey, I actually think I did a pretty good job in the end there. Yeah, that um, was really good. So, as always, that all being said, what do we think about this first chapter? Um. Where do we start? Hmm. Connor, what do you think? Um, I mean, this chapter, it, it was fine. I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't feel like there's a lot, um, there's a lot that is intriguing me about this, this party, you know, like there, this is probably the, the least interesting bunch of the, of the groups that we've separated into. Um, and, you know, I think, I, I think Mary does, does help this. It's, it's, it's pretty fun that, you know, Mary is going to kind of, uh, go against, uh, Theoden's wishes and, and ride along with everyone. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's another one with with a lot of description, you know, a lot of uh describing the the somber 
um, atmosphere and the darkening sky and all that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have too too much to say. Um, hey, that's like you know, there's never any expectation to have too much to say. Just whatever it is that you have to say. So thanks, buddy. It is funny though that um that you know the paths of the dead still it's just, it's it's like whenever somebody mentions the paths of the dead everyone's just like <gasps> what <coughs> you know it continues I know, to it, be uh, a, a uh, just uh, something you shouldn't even speak of yeah it, it feels like a real like Hanna Barbera Scooby Doo moment where it's like anytime this thing is mentioned there's like a crash of lightning you know this off like in the a, distance the the one character name from Young Frankenstein. I forget what their name is, but whenever someone speaks it, a uh, there's a crash of lightning and a horse whinnies. <laughs> I well, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie, so I don't remember. But but I like. I don't. I appreciate yeah, it the has same stuff. for me. Same for me. But it's been a while, so I don't remember. Your dance have been well since Josh watched Young Frankenstein. <laughs> the other thing is is um. Uh, wow, so no one's gonna... Okay, Fer- just keep going. Faramir, Faramir. Um, yes, yeah. Uh, and, you know, Piers, and, and and I was hoping for some more, you know, interaction with, with uh, Faramir and Mary, but obviously we have a lot of Faramir in the next chapter, so... No, so. that was that wasn't Faramir. I thought it was him at first, too, but... It was oh, really? Different, yeah, it was a different guy. Oh, it was a different guy in the same it, armor? Yes. Yeah, well, okay. yeah... And it is a weird moment because, like, Faramir is always described as looking ex- exactly like Boromir. So when Mary s- describes them as looking exactly like Boromir, you're like, oh, it must be Faramir. But yeah. it isn't. It's just some other messenger from Gondor. I just took for granted that. I mean, I guess they all look like Boromir. Yeah, but then, <laughs> then, then Tolkien uses another name, and it's like, oh, wait, I thought this was Faramir. And then Faramir shows up at Gondor in the next chapter. I know, I was like, like, oh, I was okay, like man, yes. he moves fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, that was one thing I had trouble with the, reading these chapters yesterday, was just the timeline. I could not keep it straight of like, okay, did we go back or backwards or forward a couple days? Um, yeah. It's like, like, I think they said it's going to take them like five days to get to to Gondor just with their current pace. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of a mess. Oops. Dropped something. Yeah. You know, um, I apologize in advance for those who, those who uh, are listening, who may find our grasp of the timeline to be falling apart right now. Well, I, I do have a note, and I was just checking to see if it was this chapter or the next one, and, and it's the next one, so I'll wait for right now. But I <clears throat> I do kind of have a note on that, and um, while for, like, vi- dedicated or longtime Tolkien fans, I think it would be very easy for them to kind of, like, scoff and be like, oh, well, you know, it's obviously this, this, and this. But as, like, first-time readers... I'm realizing more and more that things are not happening as linear, linearly <laughs> as you might assume. Um, and this note that I'm alluding to in the next chapter is kind of shows that even parts of what we're reading from in Return of the King actually line up with events that we've read about from the Two Towers. 
Yes. So some things are even happening in the same timeline as parts that we've read from other perspectives. And I think that is sort of where the confusion comes in. And I think that that's fair. Yes. Because we're reading this exactly for the first right. time. You are exactly um, right. I, I, I realized at one point that some events were concurrent with other events in the two towers. And it's just. But it, it's where the story is at the end of the this next chapter is where I was like, all right, when are we? And like how much time has passed and all that. And yeah. Uh, and it, I just, I just lost the thread cause I lost power yesterday in the storm. Um, so I was just kind of reading in the dark um, or like by the daylight that I had, and it was getting dark towards the end and I was kind of sleepy cause I hadn't been doing anything strenuous all day. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, kind, kind of, of like lost. most times when you read and you're like falling asleep, like but I usually like every time no, you say when you're reading and you say you're like falling asleep, right? It it was a little different this time. It wasn't like I'm falling asleep. It's like I'm struggling to read in the dying light as I wait for my my it's power a, to come back it's on. A pretty appropriate atmosphere, though. It is. Uh, it it is just difficult to to read, and when you've been reading for three hours, it's like all right, let's uh, well, let's just get to the end here. How do you think they feel? <laughs> you know they, they they've been at 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 this war for for who knows how long we don't even know the fucking timeline apparently it's only been like could a be week. years for all we know <laughs> it it still is funny to me every time we talk about the timeline i'm like wow you know i i, I just i cannot help but think about like you know fellowship of the ring takes place over the course of like 30 years or something and then the two towers and return of the king together are like two weeks, and I'm just like, who yeah. paced this story out? What the fuck is that? Tolkien. What the fuck is that? Like, yeah, Tolkien, what the fuck? <laughs> so whatever. Um, talking about the darkness, Lazy writing. Yeah, yeah. I think if there's one thing you can I, always accuse Tolkien of, it's lazy writing. <laughs> I, I feel I feel confident in being able to call out this dead old man. You know, <laughs> you know? it's like gonna, okay, Tolkien. He's not going to talk back. Um, um, I'm going to start off with my first note here because you guys kind of made me think of it. But <clears throat> for it. so on my copy, um, it's page sixty-eight. Uh, there's this line uh, describing the, that, that same darkness. It says, Such was the dark Dunharrow, the work of long-forgotten men. Their name was lost, and no song or legend remembered it. For what purpose they had made this place as a town or secret temple or a tomb of kings, none in Rohan could say. Here they labored in the dark years before ever a ship came to the western shores or Gondor of the Dunedain was built, and now they had vanished, and only the old pucal men were left, still sitting at the turnings of the road. So, uh, my preference is wrong, because I thought this note was something else. But, I guess since I'm reading it, um, I, I thought this... I, the reason I took this note down was because I felt like it kind of connected to the stuff that's happening with... Aragorn and like these uh, ghosts from the past who made that vow to fight against Sauron and then didn't and that whole deal we discussed it 
But um, I guess my assumption is that this is describing those same men, you know, the, like like these people who lived here on Middle Earth, but like well before anyone from the West or the lands of Numenor ever came here. And so like, I'm kind of, I think the picture that's being painted for us is like, eventually, many, many, many ages or centuries or however long into the history of like Middle Earth pre-contact, eventually the the people of Numenor and the elves and Sauron and all that like come here, right? And then they have like their own battle that they're still fighting. And then a seal door comes to these men who who have, you know, been living here for uh, many, 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 many ages before all these people even showed up on this fucking continent. And he's like, swear an oath that you're going to fight this person that you don't know anything about. And they're just like, uh, all right. And then they're like, eh, nah. And then it turns out the oath was really serious and they fucked themselves. But like, <laughs> I think part of the reason they break this oath is that they aren't as, they don't have as much reason or connection to be within the fight as like they, as, as, as others. Um, and so I wondered if this description sort of alludes to that, and that is why I took this note down. Because I think it's the, the same. I never really thought of it that way, because when I read about the, the pucal men, I thought it was just some more um, like scene setting of this other civilization long gone, and I, it never occurred to me that they might be the same as the um, the ghost army that Aragorn's raising. And uh, I, the idea that, that these men from long gone would not understand that an oath broken could fuck them over. It doesn't sound right to me, but um, like they, they do still seem like honorable men if their spirits are have been trapped for centuries effectively by yeah. broken by a broken word. So it, I don't think that part of it lines up. But it is interesting to think that they may predate the rest of the story of the Ring. But at the same time, I don't know much about the story before the rings are forged, and aside from a few like strips or not strip like like fragments of right. the similar cimmerillion that i've heard in the past so it, it's it's an interesting theory i don't know how to really respond beyond that it would be a great band name the pucal men yeah yeah you're right i did also have a note on the pucal men i just remembered sorry i was fidgeting sure. or something else um but it was just like I, I wonder if we'll see them in the in the movie, because I don't remember anything about them before. Like the statues that they're describing the statue, specifically. Yeah, the statues that's described. Yeah, we'll have to look out for them. <clears throat> yeah, I, again, yeah, I, I agree. That's one of those things that, like, for as much as I've watched the movie, um, I certainly can't recount that. I feel like that. That would be like a detail that, as someone who's only seen the movies and you don't have the 
context of the books, it's like that detail might not stand out to you, even if it is there. Um, and I'm, I'm very wary to trust my memory now because after we read The Two Towers and then watched the extended edition, we were like, I have no memory of this whole, like, waterfall encampment with Faramir and Gollum being captured and all that. And then, like, it plays out word for word. And I was like, what the fuck? We did watch the extended edition, to be fair. Yeah, but, I mean, I have seen the extended edition before. I guess, I don't know. Maybe I didn't pay close enough attention, but it, I, it I kind of messed didn't. me up. I was on a last time I watched <clears throat> it. I was uh, actually I would have I would have been a freshman in college, but it was like two in the morning. So there you have it. the The long and storied history of Josh watching things only when he's on uh, that the middle ground between wakefulness and and the, the, much, the realm yeah. of sleep. <laughs> That's where I've been existing for the last, like, 14 <laughs> months. Yeah. Longer, I'm sure, than that. Um, here's the actual note that I had on the darkness. That's what I wanted to start with. The darkness. Um, here it is. It says... Um, Flinging on some clothes, Mary looked outside. The world was darkling. The very air seemed brown, and all things about were black and gray and shadowless. There was a great stillness. No shape of cloud could be seen, unless it were far away westward, where the furthest groping fingers of the great gloom still crawled onwards, and a little light leaked through them. Overhead there hung a heavy roof, somber and featureless, and light seemed rather to be failing than growing. And this is... I... I feel like the first time in Return of the King so far that the darkness that people keep commenting on and this whole, like, the dawn won't come idea is unambiguously referred to as literal. We were kind of discussing that. It's like, is this metaphorical? Like, are things just, like, bad? And But yeah. it's like, no. There really is, like, a giant black ominous cloud essentially hanging over the entire sky that's just like it doesn't really matter what time it is it's basically night outside so I felt like there we have it you know it, it gets remarked on several times throughout these two chapters but this was the first time I I saw it like clearly written down yeah right. there's there's no denying that it's literal anymore It's forever so. nighttime. Hmm, yes. Forever sleep. <laughs> gotcha, Josh. Yeah, you did. So I got a question right before the the part about the Pugil men. Um, yes. They just arrived, and Theodid's talking with one of the people, just, like, informing of what the going's on. He tells them about the winged shadow. Um, Dune here is the person speaking. Um, but I was reading that and Gandalf told spoke to them all with. He said that Gandalf spoke with great authority, like told them to uh, not to assemble in the fields, but to meet you here in the valley under the mountains, uh, not to light too many fires. 
And I don't remember if that was something that we read about or if Pippin just like slept through that. And so we missed it too. I don't know. Cause if it wasn't in the last two chapters, it was, we read about it like three months ago <laughs> in the two towers. Yeah. Uh, to answer your question, I do think it's referring to something that has never actually been written down. Like it, it's not something that we've read. You're just meant to, you're just meant to assume that it's something that really did happen, but was not actually written in the books. I think. Okay. So Pippin was asleep and we didn't get it. Yeah. You could think of it that way. <laughs> All right. But, but yeah, I, I, I don't think it's something that you're like missing or not remembering. I think it's like Tolkien referring to something that is like, you know, yeah, he didn't write about it, but we're just saying that Gandalf said that, you know? Right. And this is kind of where the timeline started getting fuzzy for me. Cause like, wait a minute, was that, I mean, clearly it's when Gandalf was riding with Pippin to Gondor, but I don't remember reading about that at all. And is it just me forgetting because it's been two weeks since I last read or three months since we read that part? And I, I just kept reading and forgot about it. I left the note and kept moving. <laughs> oh, no, I I hear you. Um, and I guess, I mean, like, I'm, I'm open to the possibility of being wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that that is the way of it so all right i'm satisfied by that answer um i only have two more notes on this chapter i'm wondering where you're at you want to go through a couple josh sure why not let's see i already talked about the pukelman um so when the messenger from gondor shows up who mary thought was boromir something about Mary choked back a cry for a moment. It seemed to him that Boromir was alive again. I don't know why that detail was funny to me when I first read it, but now I just want like every time Faramir shows up to someone in the fellowship, they just do like a spit take or a double take. Um, just to just as like a little running gag. Um, <laughs> that's all that note is about. Yeah. Like no matter, no matter, no matter how many times like Faramir walks into a room, everyone immediately thinks it's Boromir for a split second. Like even yeah, like, even they, if he, and like, they all they all like they see a ghost, and then he, he turns around. Right, he's like, "Oh wait, I, I forgot my cloak or something." And then like everyone <laughs> like the second he comes back in, two seconds later, they're like Boromir. <laughs> so you just made it even funnier than it was in my head. I just wanted to see the reactions of people <laughs> just like jumping out of their skin because they saw a ghost. Yeah. Um. So the page after that, uh, Theoden refers to Gandalf as Gandalf the Grey, saying that Gandalf the Grey has been among us, and even now we are mustering for battle in the east. Does Theoden not know that Gandalf is now Gandalf the White, even though he went to go speak with Saruman with him? Fucking idiot. Or do you think this might be a rare case of Tolkien making a mistake? It's a plot hole. Another example of lazy writing. <laughs> We got him. We got him, folks. We did it. Um, you know, the way I remember that chapter where they confront Saruman, I'm pretty sure, like, Gandalf, interestingly, is cloaked for most of it. 
But I'm pretty sure, like, at the very end of their confrontation, he reveals himself to be Gandalf the White, and that's right. when he destroys Saruman's staff. So Exactly, yeah. You would think that Theoden would know that, and I don't know. Maybe he got, he got distracted I guess with something else. Yeah, it, it probably was that. He, he was thinking about maybe there is a rustling. Or something. Maybe there is a rustling in the bushes. Could be. <laughs> or, um, or he got a boner and was like, "I gotta hide this before <laughs> before they find out." He was worried yeah. about that, so he tucked it in his belt. Yeah. Just a possibility. Yep. It could, yeah, no, I mean, it uh, It could be, it could be. It's a weird, it's kind of a strange detail. Does he really say Gandalf the Grey, like, literally, where, uh, literally do you have that line? Yep. Oh, no, we, we lost, lost him. him. We lost the host of the podcast. There he is. Nope. Will he return? Nope. nope, there's no need. There's no need to comment on anything or worry about anything. Josh, you were about Back to say... Back from the uh, dead. Back oh from my the dead. God. Back from the road of the dead. Uh, yeah, so the line is... For we are already at war, as you may have seen, and you do not find us all unprepared. Gandalf the Grey has been among us, and even now we are mustering for battle in the East. I mean, I'm willing to. I'm willing to accept that Theoden just had a slip of the tongue there and referred to him as Gandalf the Grey out of habit. Yeah, well, well, that's exactly. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, but there's no indication that that is exactly the case. How long has he been acquainted with Gandalf's new title? You know, like a few hours. I mean, it's been a couple right, days. Like you, they slept in the you, same area before camp. Do you just assume that because he's wearing a different? different color he has a different title now like if gandalf if gandalf just wanted to try out like a new look you know guys, it's like he gained off the yellow now guys i think we're missing the obvious answer here theoden the- theoden is colorblind <laughs> oh. he's, is, he's gray white colorblind <laughs> yes this is actually some good representation on tolkien's part big ups to him for uh you know showing the well, b- colorblind person's experience in the story. I find that to be powerful. Right, and giving them such, giving well, them such Gandalf, a position of authority as well. Absolutely. Well, Gandalf isn't fat, so he didn't have any reason to to denigrate him. Yeah, I mean, you well, know. Well, you know, I, I, like, I like to think that, that Tolkien, you know, he listened. He listened and he grew, because we got a lot of, uh, you know, fatty bulger in Fellowship, but... <laughs> Where is that now for for a whole book and more now? Um, we have not he's really his... laid off the fat shaming. So yeah, you're right. I didn't even. I, it's been so long. I hadn't even noticed. You know, I, I think I think he sat his uh, wrinkled ass down and listened. You know, <laughs> I think so. I mean, um, yeah. I'm sure his ass was wrinkled. At the, I, I'm not sure how old he was when he wrote this book, but I'm, I'm, I mean, it was probably at least a little bit wrinkly at that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's got to be like some, I don't know, something going on. There's got to be something going on down there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 
I don't want to speculate too specifically, but you I know, mean, it's that's like, a good question, on. though. Do we like? Do we have any firsthand accounts of uh, Tolkien's, um, you know, uh, bottom bottom quarters? Hmm. Probably, I, I think if you, I think if you read deep enough into the Silmarillion, you'll find that. Yes, I'm I think, sure. I, I think, yeah. I think it's all there, or it's, or it's in a letter somewhere. You know, yeah, you, you can, you can so. find anything out. You can find anything out about Tolkien that you want to if you just read enough. It's probably true. <clears throat> um, I kind of had a what I felt was like a not a nonsensical note. But even when I was taking this note down, I'm, like, confused. It's more of something that I want to bring up and, like, it does not... Really what I'm trying to say is the thing that I'm going to address here doesn't matter. But it's a very small thing that no matter how many times I reread this portion of the chapter, I was like, what the fuck? Um, So I have to bring it up. So in my copy, it's page 74... Um, and it's, so it's just after, uh, Mary is woken up. He says, I won't be left behind to be called for on return, said Mary. I won't be left. I won't. And repeating this over and over again to himself, he fell asleep at last in his tent. He was awakened by a man shaking him. Wake up. Wake up. Master Holbeitla, he cried, and at length Mary came out of deep dreams and sat up with a start. No one has ever fucking said that name before, even once, ever, yep. and I'm fucking positive about that. And it seems very clearly that they were are referring to Mary. Yes. I picked up on that what too. I didn't fuck? take a note. Are we certain that's not his last name? That we j- I, I, I swear we've seen his last name before, though. Yeah, I don't think that's it. I think they just make up names but it, it, on the spot and then just run with it. But you know what? Now it's bothering me because I can't think of Mary's last name because I know, you know, so Pippin is Peregrine Took and then Mary is Mariotic. I don't, is Mariotic his last name and Holbeitla is his first now. name? I don't. I should have looked it up too already, but the, the only thing that I decided to do was just be like, what the f- Did anyone. What the fuck? You I know, was really confused I, about that. Like with things like with, with, the, with the names of people, especially, <laughs> I just roll with it. Like I don't. Yeah, I don't even know. second and guess. And that's what I did. But. Oh, man, I'm not gonna find it flipping through fellowship. Um, I'm just gonna look it up. I'm just like, yeah, this is uh, it's obviously something that I missed two books ago or whatever, you know, like I'm not gonna right and you're you're just at peace with that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't blame you because it it feels very easy to get bogged down you, you know it's, it's, it's not book. That I, Oh, of course it is. It's Mary Brandy book. Oh, but. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, no, we should have known that because they're like famous hobbits in the Shire, too. Yeah, that's Brandy why I was book. like, I don't recognize this name that he's he's saying. And yeah, the Brandy Bucks uh, are, are the ones that are inheriting the uh, Frodo's place or they're they're going to push their way into it. Right. Um, That's a different uh, 
like I think it might be like Mary's that cousins. was uh no, yeah, they they sucked. That was they uh sucked, like dude. Lobelia. That was Lobelia. Um Damn, now I I don't think it was Brandy Book though. But I do remember the cousin's name was Lobelia and then they had like some stupid fucking last name that everyone hated too. Anyways, um So I know we're not going to like really get any clarification here. All I all I really was wondering was <clears throat> so judging from this passage, Josh, you also felt like they're referring to Mary, right? Like they're talking to yeah. him. Yes. And I was when I was reading it, I remember um that thinking like, wait, is that Mary, one of Mary's names? Is like, no, that doesn't make sense. And I thought, what was what were they calling Pippin over in Gondor? Could it be a title of that, like some sort of title of like Prince of the Hobbits or something like that? Right. But that that is different because they do mention that in the next chapter, too, after Pippin yeah. gets his armor. And it's not the same. So you're right. <clears throat> anyways, um, I'm not really looking for answers here. I just had to comment on this incredibly minor, unimportant detail because it just it was kind of baffling to me. Sackville Baggins. Sackville Baggins. Is, dude, that's, dude. That's thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. The Sackville Baggins You're so right. Which is a much more uh, evil name than Brandy Buck. Yeah. Wow. I love you for that. Thanks, Connor. Um, but like, really, it like this felt like such a a bizarre Tolkienism to me, where it's like without any context. Without any, like, prior knowledge, without any introduction, without anything, we're just going to have some character you don't know refer to some character you do know with a completely different name, and no one's going to comment on it, and just keep reading. And I'm just like, yep. oh my god, really rubs me the wrong way. I had to say it. That's it. That's it. But thanks for hearing me out, because I was like, what the fuck? Um, and then like sort of my last note here. So the so the other thing, the chapter ends like we like we said with uh, Mary being um brought into the fold of Theoden's force by this soldier Durnhelm, and towards the end of the chapter it says um. <clears throat> It says, Mary looked up and saw that it was the young rider whom he had noticed in the morning. And then the reason I'm bringing that up is because that very brief description made me think, like, is that referring to what I'm focusing on here in this note when Mary's first woken up and they don't refer to that? But the thing is, and again, I know I'm getting shit twisted. I know this shit doesn't matter, but I just have to talk it out because they they don't remark as far as I can tell in this chapter, they don't remark on Mary, like, pausing or noticing a specific soldier. It just gets to this part at the end of the chapter where it's like, hey, it's Durnhelm. And they're I, just like, yeah, the soldier Mary noticed. And I'm like, who? When? What the fuck are you talking about? Is it I, this I moment? It, they actually do. No, it isn't that moment. It, it's, um, 
uh, it's a really brief moment when they're just setting out and they're passing through the ranks of the soldiers. Mary spots. Um, oh, the one who has like dead eyes or whatever. Yeah, the gray eyes of just like, uh, like someone who's just given up or something to that effect. I I know that's not correct, but it's just it, it's the one person he he like locked eyes with as they were riding out. Thank you, Josh. I do remember that moment now that you said it, but I could not recall it or connect it with this when I was reading the chapter. So, yep, I appreciate that. I think you're right about that. Um, okay. So, yeah. So the chapter ends with Dernhelm. That's who that is. Uh, I think you still probably have a few more notes, right, Josh? A couple? I do. Let's see. There's the theater one. I do have some theories about Dernhelm based on my memory of the movies, but since those are spoilerish, that's all I have on that note. Gotcha. Uh, but I do have another comment on that whole exchange where Dernhelm uh, takes takes Mary uh, riding away with them, and it's uh, <laughs> "Hey kid, you want to go die for die with glory?" Which is what a king on. It would be like a Klingon offering candy from a white van, like their equivalent of that. Like, <laughs> Mary's all upset he's not going off to die with everyone else. It's like, hey, kid, you want to go? You want some glory when you die? Yeah. Um, I think that's actually my last note. Yeah, because we have the <clears throat> the events we didn't see. We have the Pucal Man. We have the reaction to the guy showing up. Gandalf mm-hmm. the Grey. And yeah, that's the end of the chapter. Neat. Yeah, nice. Um, the only other thing <clears throat> uh, with this whole Dernhelm thing, I liked Dernhelm's line at the end where they say, where Will wants not, a way opens. So we say, he whispered, and so I have found myself. And then that's that's kind of how he, you know, uh, not convinces Mary, but but sort of like, you know, essentially it, it offers him the option. He's like, hey, you know, just because Theoden's telling you not to do something doesn't really mean you have to listen, right? Um, and I like the way that <clears throat> they deliver that line. Where will wants not, a way opens. And I just feel like that's a big part of what is sort of going on in this opening part of the book. You know, there's so much talk of um, despair and hopelessness and the all-encompassing shroud of darkness. And especially in the next chapter with, uh, you know, the battle breaking out for real, um, we really do see characters completely lose hope. And I feel like here, Dernhelm, in their own way, is sort of offering this idea of, like, you know, you only lose hope when you you don't look for it anymore. Or you, you choose to let go of it. It's like, as long as you have the determination to do something then you can do it. And it may not be the way that you've envisioned doing it. It may not be the way you wanted to do it. 
but you can still make it happen if you choose to do so. And I feel like that's kind of a big uh, overarching theme of like what we're getting here in in these <clears throat> these chapters where like characters are really showcasing I you know sort of like the indomitable spirit over uh, over over what would be like logically uh, overwhelming odds you know it's like. But but still, it's like you only you only lose if you accept the loss, and so I feel even here in their own small way, Dernhelm is kind of showing to Mary like, don't give up, because if the thing that you want to do is to ride off with Theoden's army, then the only thing stopping you is you, not Theoden's orders. It's you, and so I like that that was kind of the impetus for Mary still continuing, and I thought that was an interesting way to have him, like, remain in Theoden's army because, like, you kind of get this push and pull between, like, well, we know that Mary's going to be in danger. Theoden is telling him, like, this is not where you want to be. And and yet Mary, you know, cannot... Um, cannot accept, you know, feeling like luggage, as he's described before, feeling like he's cast aside just to wait around for more important people to do better things than him. And I think that's a cool place to to take his character. I like this whole Mary Pippin action we're getting. And so that's where I wanted to close the chapter discussion. That's what I had to say about that. Yeah, well said. Um, I think you're you're absolutely right. Um, and yeah, I, I, I as as much as you know, I I, I have preferred the the Pippin um Gandalf action um so far this was a good Mary chapter um and again as we will see going into this this next chapter with with Pippin um their their arcs are definitely they're they're still complementary with each other yeah because I yeah hope, I was gonna say hope plays a big I was part say in this we next should... chapter we we should revisit what you were just saying just with the uh with Pippin's adventure in mind at the end of the next chapter and if, whether or not they're still mirroring each other yeah yeah for sure um do we want to take a quick break before we do the next chapter discussion per usual yes yep i need to go switch the laundry take a tight two so yeah, let's make it a five, just in case. Tight. Well, five let's, it is. Let, let, let let's meet in the middle. Let's we'll we'll do a tight seven. We don't we don't we'll have do to. Tight, dis- oh, that's seven. not the middle. All right, five minutes. Nine twenty. Let's go. Tight seven. All right. So next we are discussing chapter four, the siege of Gondor. Now this chapter title pretty clearly implies. Gondor's under siege. And I was like, really? Chapter 4? There's a lot of this book left. And I'm like, chapter 4? Minas Tirith is going to be under siege? Really? Really? Well, the answer is yes. Um, So this this chapter starts with uh, Pippin being summoned to Denethor... Uh, Gandalf is with him as well. 
and um, we get more of like their back and forth, but um, the the first major thing that happens here really is Faramir returns to the folds. He he makes it back to <laughs> Minas Tirith, and um, he gets a hero's welcome. Um, I guess it's also worth mentioning he he doesn't just come back like casually. Um, he's being chased by the winged Nazgul, and Gandalf rides out from the gates of Minas Tirith to uh, to his aid and to help him come back to the city safely. So um, you know there 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 is a kind of an ongoing battle as he comes back, but Faramir does return safely, um, and then. Uh, of course, he's brought before his father, Denethor, and um, they have an interesting, fun-filled family reunion um, where Denethor is pretty much like, I wish you died instead of Boromir, and Faramir is just like, great, I love you, Dad. Um <laughs> Yeah, so we saw a bit of that in the movie, didn't we? We yeah, we did, right. We we kind of mentioned about uh that we sort of get that in the films before we get it in the books, or or that's brought into the two towers rather than Return of the King. Yep. Um Yes. Yeah, because Connor was saying like that kind of colored his thoughts on Denethor. Um so at any rate, uh there's there's more to talk about in that discussion. I have notes on it. I'm guessing Josh does too and we will come back to it um but at any rate um Faramir rides out to like these other kind of satellite territories of Minas Tirith and Gondor as a whole because it's like Sauron has officially loosed his forces like his his armies are truly mobile. Like, for the first time, like, we've been seeing for so long, like, he's amassing his forces. Um, and the the horde is loose. So, you know, Denethor is like, I'm not just going to sit here in Minas Tirith and wait for all of Sauron's might to just show up unopposed to the castle walls. Uh, someone needs to, like, go fucking fight him before he gets here. And that person's Faramir. So Faramir is is tasked with leading the opposition um, in some neighboring territories, but uh, of course he ends up having to flee in the end and retreat. Um, and so by the time he he does come back to Minas Tirith, the the battle is like truly at their doorstep, and so the the siege happens. Uh, in earnest and like I pretty clearly Tolkien describes like at least the first circular wall of Minas Tirith is like completely fallen and overtaken um, and the the orcs of Sauron are you know lighting fire to everything destroying everything um, Faramir ends up being like wounded or poisoned or somehow he's not dead. I but think he was struck by like a poison arrow, right? 
Yeah. A poison was, arrow. An evil dart or whatever flowery language he used. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, yeah, because I think they kind of describe it as like a poisoning. So, right, it's like he's not dead, but he's they think he's dying and he, he can't really like respond. Um, and like importantly to um, the leader of the Nazgul is here, not quite leading the charge, importantly, which Denethor himself even comments on, but he is present in this attack. And um, so so Faramir, upon being wounded, is brought back to Denethor, and that's really what makes Denethor, like, lose all his hope. You know, his to him, like, his legacy is completely crumbled. Uh, Boromir's dead. Faramir is as good as dead, as far as he's concerned. And uh, Minas Tirith itself might as well be dead. So, um, our chapter wraps up with Denethor ordering himself and Faramir to be brought to, like, the royal mausoleum graveyard, whatever it is, in Minas Tirith. And he wants them to light a funeral pyre and burn himself and his son alive uh, because that's just how fucked he thinks they are. That hasn't happened yet. No tune for that. But it's in motion. Yeah. <laughs> but it's in motion. Um, and then the other big thing is the orcs and the forces of Sauron are able to get through the, like, massive main gate of Minas Tirith with this uh, giant battering ram that they've constructed. Grand. Um, grand. Um, and so as that uh, gate falls and everyone from Minas Tirith flees, there's... Uh, fantastic imagery you know it's just like one lone rider remains and it's Gandalf it's Shadowfax <laughs> um, and we kind of get this showdown between Gandalf on Shadowfax and the the Nazgul leader the captain um, the black captain or whatever the hell they call him yeah he has a, a few names even like the former king of Angmar you know like he's yep. He has several titles and designations, uh, but essentially the baddest, you know, motherfucker of all the Nazgul is there, and and uh, he kind of laughs in Gandalf's face, right? And then, like when it seems when it seems like their their battle is about to begin, um, the riders of Rohan show up at the, the, the very final moments of this chapter, and then it ends. So we don't get the we know, actually quite ended the on thrilling like a, conclusion. Yeah, we actually ended on a hell of a cliffhanger. Usually our chapter splits end up being pretty uh, 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 convenient for our discussions, but this one was like, oh, I, wanna, I actually want to keep reading, even though I've been reading for three hours. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. It's like a big, it's a big moment. It is. And it's only like a paragraph, like a, a small paragraph. And then the writers of Rohan showed up. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, that's it. 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, I, I <clears throat> forgot if you mentioned this, but but it ends kind of while while uh, Pippin is is searching for Gandalf to put a stop to um, you know Denethor's uh, suicidal. Um, I don't know. Nihilistic idea of of uh, of of uh, you know a ceremony for for him and his dying son. Um, right. <clears throat> so so yeah, it's like a it's a really exciting dramatic moment. Um, that's uh, yeah was was thrilling. And Josh is right. It it's it does make you want to read on. Um, Which is how the end of a chapter should. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. But uh, yeah, you know, as I alluded to, this this one was was a lot more captivating to me. Um, I I really do enjoy the the family drama between Faramir and and his father. Um, It's you know I, I feel like it's it's done better so far in the book than in the, the the film we'll see how it's portrayed in the return of the king movie um it just kind of seems yeah. it seemed kind of hokey or or um cliche i guess in the, the two towers but um but yeah the i mean denethor is he he's a real prick he really is <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's just uh, he's yeah. just a real asshole um and yeah, you 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 do feel bad for Faramir. Um, he, you know, it even says too. You know, he he like goes back out to fight, and it's like, you know, not not his choice. Like he's he's really just living for his father and for his father's rule. And it's uh, and, yeah. And the discussion they have about you know how Faramir wants to be or or you know he he's kind of being accused of of acting you know kind and noble like a like a king of old and stuff but but you know his 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 father's like you're not really made of that you know you're you're not as good as the 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 great kings of of legend you know you're just acting like it um and you know i i I think he might actually be. He might actually be made of that, uh, you know, like just just a, a quote unquote good man, like like a Duke Leto or something, you know. Um, right. And uh, he just gets the wrong end of the stick from his father, and and so it's it's really a tragic way to go, and and we'll, we'll see if they they both end up dying. But but that that really did uh, was a good driving driving force of this chapter for me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and there's even I mean, it's weird too. Like I'm I'm going to want to talk more about it, but like the whole dynamic between Faramir and Denethor is even further complicated because Gandalf's there, and then Denethor kind of claims or almost like accuses Faramir of like choosing Gandalf over him. You know, like Gandalf yes. is like Faramir's real father figure. <laughs> and Denethor is just like this fucking douchebag that happens to be his dad, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for sure. I mean, throughout the chapter, Denethor's um you know 
his his uh, shit talking about Gandalf is is really great throughout the entire chapter. He's just it is him, hilarious. Calls him a fool in so many ways. You know, it's 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 yep. uh, and you know pretty much everybody that that he says that to i mean you know especially pippin is like no nah, no i think you know i actually like gandalf gandalf's actually a pretty cool dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know you're just you're just angry yeah and then like to top it all off like even after all that and and even a- i mean like especially after like it's it's not just that these two things are separated where it's like, wow, I can't believe Denethor said those things and then he feels bad about it. It's because he says these things that he feels bad, of course. Um, but it's crazy because in the very same chapter, we get Denethor admitting to Faramir that he would have rather had Faramir die instead of Boromir. And then Faramir is like, well, who gave the order for Boromir to go out in the first place? Didn't you kill him? Yeah, and Denethor yeah. is like, you don't think that I, you know, fucking like, feel that guilt? It's like, don't talk to your father like that. Yeah, right. And then, on top of all of that, once Faramir is like, you know, mortally injured, Denethor completely collapses, you know, like his his strength is kind of revealed to just be nothing in in the face of uh, this oppressive darkness. You know, it, it's yeah. not his real. Spirit is broken. Yeah. Yep. He totally. And so withdraws. it's like, well, if you if you really felt that way about Faramir, then how is this reaction to his? his wounding and his death, his possible death, like how is that reaction warranted? And so it's a bit of that, like, of course he really does love Faramir and now he sort of has to, he has no way of telling him that. And I don't know. I think you could be cynical about it and, and maybe, maybe consider, is it more like, you know, the destruction of Denethor's legacy that he cares more than about losing his son? Um, and yeah. I think there's a point to be argued there, but I, but I, I do think that he does love Faramir. I just think he's a real fucking asshole too. I think so too, and I, I get the impression that it's one of those things where, um, you know, it's 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 seen in in pop culture, you know, in a lot of different stories where where it's like the it's like the father who has a favorite, um, and you know the favorite can do no wrong. Um, but you know, he, 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 he loves both sons, but the way he motivates them is, is, is different. You know, he like, uh, you, you know, he uses positive reinforcement with the favorite and then, you know, the opposite with, with, uh, the least favored because he thinks that's like, what's going to get the best out of them, you know? And, and, True. uh, it's, it's like a really weird thing, but, but I think it's like a, it's, it's, a uh, you know, I think we've we've probably even seen examples of it, like living in you know through through high school and stuff, where we have like like friends, parents who just I mean, you know, can 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 treat them like shit and stuff, and uh, um, and yeah, I, I think it's just like not not analyzing why why they're doing it in the first place, and just kind of thinking that this is going to get the best end result, and then. 
you, you know, realizing it was all for naught in the very last moment when 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 you've pushed your your can't you know your your your, your uh, son too far and uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it does kind of seem like a classic a classic story of yeah of uh, toxic masculinity, I guess. Yeah, I think you're kind of right about that. And that's part of, you know, what's sad about it. Because like you're saying, it's like Faramir kind of aspires to be and kind of showcases like these these greater character traits of, you know, supposedly better men of the past. And, and Denethor like, you know, tries to belittle him about that. Um, it's almost like he's, but it's like, he's he uh, is threatened by it, right? Yeah, like threatened by it, and I think you know, kind of like yeah, like squashes it. Like he doesn't he doesn't encourage it in Faramir. It's like you kind of get the feeling like oh, like Faramir probably could have even been better if his dad like helped him grow instead yeah. of like stifled him. Yeah, you're right. Um. I really, for the record, by the way, I'm. I really don't know what's going to happen with Faramir here either. Yeah. Um, so I like mean, this, this that... whole, like, insane f- fucking funeral pyre shit with Denethor and Faramir. It's like, um, yeah. This has been quite the turn, you know. I I, I, I can't see. Seeing... I, I can't see a way out for them, but but we'll see. Uh, the 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 other thing I wanted to mention that was kind of funny is is uh, a few times Gandalf will pipe in and 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 like he'll be like Faramir, your dad doesn't mean that. He loves you. You know your dad loves you. <laughs> he, he's gonna regret all of this. You, you know, like you're a great kid. Come on, don't don't let him get you down. Uh, you know, he's he's kind of trying to play peacemaker a little bit, which is funny. Yeah, true. <laughs> Josh, were you going to uh, like add something there? It sounded like maybe you had something just, to say. Um, I was just gonna say I I do remember a scene from the movie that I think reveals what happens at the end of or what happens with the the funeral pyre, and I mm. I just don't want to I want to say I I think I know what happens, but I don't want to spoil it for you guys. Yeah, I see. <laughs> Um, yeah, some interesting. We're we're getting to another. Questions. We're getting to a point where I'm remembering more of the movie now that I'm like practically reading the script. Um, so it's it. There's a lot more that I'm starting to remember. Is like, oh, this is why that was happening, and because I do remember a lot more of Return of the King than I do any any of the other movies, since that would have been the last of it that I watched. <laughs> Um, and I also remember at the end that when I first watched it in high school, we missed like 15 minutes because we just got back to the school. <laughs> we were watching it on the bus. Yeah, you did mention that. So, so that's, that's funny. That you, bit's like see those 15 minutes, you know? No, I did see those 15 minutes in college, freshman year of college, and I don't think I realized how much more time was left. I thought we were like five minutes left. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I, I'm sorry. I had to recollect my thoughts. The there's, we're 
moving away from where I've been of like, I don't know what happens next. I don't know what's going to happen. Like going on with you guys back to where I've been throughout all of like Hitchhiker's Guide um, and uh, The Hobbit where it's like, I remember what's coming and I don't want to spoil it for you guys. Right. So eventually we'll get to something that I haven't consumed in any form of media, but it may be a while. <laughs> um, what notes might you like to go through here, Josh? Um, well, my first notes on the very beginning of the chapter, uh, Pippin is upset that he only has like a small loaf and an inadequate pat of butter for breakfast. Um, and he asks Gandalf, why did you bring me here? You know quite well, said Gandalf, to keep you out of mischief. And if you do not like being here, you can remember that you brought it upon yourself. I just feel like Gandalf essentially brought Pippin to military boarding school after just one too many incidents <laughs> with mischief. You know, I I appreciate that you're bringing that up because I had a note there too. And um, I was thinking like, oh... Like, I guess I just thought it was funny because Gandalf says it like it's really obvious. He's like, you know why you're fucking here. And I'm like, yeah. come to think of it, I don't know why Pippin's fucking here. So that's a great question. Um, and it, it seemed like to me that Gandalf was separating Pippin from the Palantir. I think, yeah, no, that's pretty much the the initial. Uh, th- that's the that's what sparked this whole journey that they took together. But I mean, there's also the, the uh, minds of Moria and just him in general being a thorn in Gandalf's side. <laughs> right. So Gandalf's like, you just, it's like when you get in trouble, so you have to, you know, you're going to sit at the front of the classroom now. So the teacher can watch you the whole time. Yep. Exactly. Kind of deal. Yeah. Um, I did think that was funny too. So what else you got? Oh, right. <laughs> um, when Faramir shows up, I was disappointed there was no any kind of shock from Pippin. He just kind of accepts it. Um, it kind of goes back to my previous note of, I hope there's like a, a running gag of people seeing a ghost when Faramir shows up, but not so with Pippin. He immediately just breaks that trend I wanted to see. Um, but Pippin also mm. has apparently has a high opinion of Boromir. Um Pippin, uh, and Pippin, gazing at him now, saw how closely he resembled his brother Boromir, whom Pippin had liked from the first, admiring the great man's lordly but kindly manner. Uh, just make sure that the yeah, okay. Uh, then he compares him to Aragorn, but I, I guess I wanted to know Connor's uh, opinion or how would Connor react to Pippin's opinion of uh, Boromir? Yeah, I I noticed that right away, and I uh, I I mean, I I didn't think it made sense, but I mean, th- you, you know, when you think about it, it, it you know, they, like Boromir is 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 the one that they maybe um, credit with with protecting them from the orcs initially, right, and and letting them kind of get away. Am I correct in that? I mean, they they eventually get c- 
caught by the orcs and you know dragged for a long time. Marian yeah. Pippin. No, you're 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 right though. It's Boromir who who initially saves Marion Pippin from yeah. the yes. orcs. Yes. So it does make sense, and also I don't know if they do they even know about Boromir's betrayal. I don't think they do. Yeah, so 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 I feel like as 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 much as um I really do detest Boromir and I think there is a lot of uh um you know, I I what I want to say whitewashing, but that's not the correct word. A lot, a lot of us um stand, <laughs> standing over um Boromir's uh negative qualities after his death. I do think it makes sense maybe that um that Pippin would have, uh, you know, would would still hold him in high regard. Gandalf does speak of Boromir uh, failing the test of the ring later on, but that that would not cloud Pippin's immediate reaction to Faramir, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or did Faramir mention it? Because Faramir was told by Frodo. I don't remember. I don't know. I so. think you're right, Josh. I think it's Gandalf. Because Gandalf would and be, Denethor have this whole be, conversation on it. They do, but it would be after Faramir relays what he uh, spoke with uh, Frodo and Sam about. Although they never really kind of they they kind of dance around the the fact of whether or not Faramir tells Denethor about the ring specifically, or if Denethor just guessed like Faramir did that they are carrying some sort of weapon into Mordor. Well, it's the second one. And I think, I think so too. I, I think Denethor is so astute that unlike Faramir, not only he doesn't just guess it's some kind of weapon, I think he Goes understands immediately that it's the one ring, yes. Like there's no yeah, he's there's talking no about question how, in his mind. Yeah, and he's talking about how Sauron would uh, is gonna just tear them all a new one and march right into Gondor and Yeah. If we actually see something really interesting, we see Gandalf afraid when he learns about where Sam and Frodo went. Yeah. Yes, that's also a really important thing to mention. Because it's like, you know, this guy has faced down a Balrog um, and returned from certain death. And, you know, has has um, gone through some very harrowing uh, things in, in the, you know, service of this quest. And as you're saying, Josh, in this moment, he is fearful. Yeah. Um, Faramir comments on that because at first... At first, I was like, oh, is, like, Gandalf that worried that, you know, Frodo and Sam are going to die? Because um, I think Pippin notices, like you're saying, after after Faramir mentions Sierra Thungle. But then you read a bit more, and Faramir says to Gandalf, Indeed, I see what you fear. And as their conversation goes on... It very much becomes clear that um, Gandalf's true fear in this moment, I believe, is that he thinks that Sauron may already have the ring at this moment. Ah, and they're just, like, waiting to be destroyed. Yeah. 
I did. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't think I put that together exactly when I was reading. But yeah, I mean, there there was a fear that Sauron. I think Denethor just cl- clearly states like he could have the ring right now, but I don't think that was. I, I put together that's why Gandalf was trembling of like that idea was so frightening to him. But it makes sense. Yeah, it's one of those things where like obviously it's not just said outright, so I I, I don't <laughs> I don't think it's that it could be exactly one thing, but I that is definitely the impression that I got as I was reading. Especially because there's kind of that idea um let me read the passage real quick. Um, because this this is what uh, Faramir says in response to noticing Gandalf's uh, fear. He says, Indeed, I see what you fear, but the darkness is not due to their venture, referring obviously to Frodo and Sam. It began yester-eve, and all Athelion was under shadow last night. It is clear to me that the enemy has long planned an assault on us, and its hour had already been determined before ever the travelers left my keeping. And so, like, that that part, among others, made me think that Gandalf is, like, too quick to put together these separate things that are happening, and he's like, oh, the reason that th- we're under, like, you know, complete darkness during all times of day and the reason that Sauron has loosed the full brunt of his forces is because he has the one ring and this is like the real deal like there's no one to stop him and he's just taking over the world and all we can do is wait um and Faramir's like not yet you know it's not as bad as all that you hold your horses yeah it's actually Aragorn's thought fault (laughs) Aragorn's fault fault fuck (laughs) <laughs> sorry tongue twisted um that's actually my next note is uh they they're trying to figure out the timeline of like okay when did they leave and all that and it gandalf guesses that aragorn looked into the palindrir right, and true. revealed it and revealed himself to sauron and that scared sauron so now sauron is attacking yeah to prevent aragorn from doing whatever he's doing so, yeah, the whole all this gloom, it's all Aragorn's fault. <laughs> and I I don't think we got that full picture until just now cuz we see the the volcano erupting and the darkness starting to spread from Mordor from Sam and Frodo's perspective. We don't learn that he looked into the Palantir until the beginning of this book. And by then we're already seeing right. all the night stuff come in. And the timelines that we said have been so mixed up. And we're jumping back and forth. Um, I think this is the first time we nail down. Oh, like the day after Aragorn looked into the uh, Palantir and revealed himself to Sauron, that's when the darkness began and the attack started to march from Mordor. Um, right. It's like Sauron. Sauron's like so intimidated or like worried about Aragorn's presence and reveal to him after all this time that he kind of shows his hand too early, right? Yeah, exactly. And I I wonder if Tolkien had all of this in mind when he was writing the two towers, like the timeline, if that was all written down somewhere, like to sort it out before he started the Return of the King. 
what I mean, he probably had it all sorted out when he started writing Return of the King. But I mean, like when he was writing the end of the two towers, do you think he had all this timeline stuff sorted out of like, okay, what's everyone doing at this point in time? And what's the cause of all of this? And is it just Aragorn is now known to Sauron? Is it just things are moving along? I, I, that question stuck in my head when I was reading that part. And I'm pretty sure the answer is yes, he had this all planned out because it's J.R.R. Tolkien. Right. Um, but the question persists regardless. Yeah, it's one of those things that I think we could get an answer to. But um, just reading through the books, it's like, it's a good question. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up since you were talking about like timeline stuff, just a few pages before that um, uh, they're remarking on the sunset. And the thing that jumped out to me was this. It says, um, It was the sunset hour, but the great pall had now stretched far into the west, and only as it sank at last into the sea did the sun escape to send out a brief farewell gleam before the night, even as Frodo saw it at the crossroads, touching the head of the fallen king. And I felt like, so that was like a moment two where we kind of get this whole the same sunset that Pippin is watching from this moment at Minas Tirith is from that same moment in the two towers when Frodo sees the sunset on the statue at the crossroads and that was the one that jumped out to me where I was like oh there's actually parts of Return of the King and the two towers that are happening simultaneously right? And, and that that these books, you know, this is not just a linear continuation, that these things are actually overlaid one on top of the other. Um, and that's kind of why Tolkien has these little bits in there, too. Like, I think it's actually a cool way to do it, because without really drawing too much attention to it, he's able to get that message across to the reader, where it's like, yeah, this is the next book, but you're still kind of reading different perspectives on events that you've already seen, you know? Yeah, it's all one story. It is. Um, so that's interesting, too. Um, there's a couple other... I mean, there's... Ugh, God, there really is a lot in this chapter. Um, I wanted to mention this, like, small line here from Denethor a little earlier on in the chapter, too, when he's asking Pippin to sing, and Pippin's like, oh, I don't want to do that, you know? And Denethor's like, what? You know, I'm, I'm not allowed to hear a cheery song, you know? I'm, um, and his, his response is more specifically this. He says... And why should such songs be unfit for my halls or for such hours as these? We who have lived long under the shadow may surely listen to echoes from a land untroubled by it. Then we may feel that our vigil was not fruitless, though it may have been thankless. Which, one, great fucking line. I mean, yep. like, completely fucking burns him. Um, pones him, even, maybe. But I, I don't know if I'll go that far. And then... Wow, I can't believe you said that. I uh, just, I said maybe, okay, I said maybe. But then the other thing is like, 
So there, it, it reminded me of something that I had a note on, but I didn't discuss in the previous episode. When the the other like Duna Danes, you know the the other Striders from Aragorn's group like show up and stuff, they kind of have this throwaway line. We can just call them. They Duna kind dudes. of have whatever. <laughs> they kind of have this throwaway line where they're saying like they're the ones who've been protecting the Shire. I don't know if you remember that, but yep. Um, and so I thought it was kind of funny because. Like, Denethor's not wrong. That's, like, Boromir's whole thing, too, where it's, like, Gondor's kind of responsible for preserving the peace for the rest of Middle-earth. Yep. Which is, I think, still mostly true. But I thought it was kind of funny that Denethor takes complete credit because I was like, well, just two chapters ago, we actually learned that it's someone who has nothing to do with you who's, like, actively protecting these lands that you're claiming to, like you know, be the, the shield of the Shire is actually protected by people that you probably don't even know exist. Denethor. Um, so that was, that was cool. And, and like, it, it also kind of made me think Josh, like, or Connor, I'm not sure who it was, but you know, one of you mentioned how many times Denethor like tells Gandalf he's a fool and a fucking idiot and all that. Right. And, um, there's, I think, also, at least from my point of view, a bit of this, um, like, it kind of makes you like Denethor less, because it's like, well, yeah, you're wrong, Denethor. But there's also a part of me that it made me like Denethor more, because it's like, finally, someone's going to tell Gandalf that he's a insufferable fucking hard-ass. You know, someone needs to fucking call him out for this shit. Denethor's not wrong. Um... And, like, you know, Denethor is just, like, that crotchety old man who's just, like, yelling at people, and he's a complete asshole all the time, but you're like, well, like, he's not totally wrong, though. It's like, he shouldn't, you know, he shouldn't say it, but he's right, you know? That kind of deal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's the only one that has the gall to, uh, to lay out some hard truths. But... It's not all truth. No. No, it's it's not as simple as that, but there there were moments where I was like, wow, Denethor, you're such a dick, but like I kind of have to say he's one of those he's kind of like a at least for me, again, he's kind of like a character that I love to hate where like the the more annoying or the the more prickish he is like the more i kind of become endeared to him i'm like oh denethor like you just say it like it is yeah you know i i think i would i'd i'd respect boromir more if he was more like his father i think (laughs) (laughs) just you know unabashedly uh prick yeah no shame no regret yeah, Boromir's, like, right in the middle of Denethor and Faramir. Yeah, he is, he is. Hmm. Um, okay. Sort of on that topic, I want to get... And we haven't even really talked about, like, the siege or the fight itself, but, like, there's... Oh, no. Again, there's so much fucking shit that happens here. Before we get into, like, maybe those latter parts of the chapter, I just want to talk a little bit more, segueing into... 
back into, I should say, the whole Denethor, Faramir, Gandalf discussion. Um, because they're talking about the One Ring. And there's this line. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll read this uh, passage quickly and then let's discuss it briefly. But um, this is what Denethor has to say. Because at first I was kind of confused. Um, Faramir has this line where he's like, oh, you know, as I was coming back, I sent the rest of my company to Osgiliath. He's like, unless I did ill... And then Denethor is like, why are you asking me if you did right or wrong? You know, weren't you leading these people? And I'm like, okay, Denethor, like, you're mad because he sent a couple troops somewhere else? Like, you really need all hands on deck in Minas Tirith? No, he's he's second-guessing himself because of Denethor's constant criticism. Yes, yes. But there's also this, like, whole other thing where, like, we, we keep coming back to, like, this whole Faramir and Denethor have this, like ancient Numenorean bloodline ability where they can like read the thoughts of other people and like piece together information that you may want to keep hidden. And the reason I think that's important is because I think the real reason Denethor is upset is because he realizes that in Faramir's chance encounter with Frodo, that Faramir had a chance to get the ring for himself and bring it back to Denethor to use for, you know, Gondor's own purposes. And then we get this whole conversation that sort of, like, ensues and builds off of that point. Um, Denethor says... And especially because it comes... I, I know I'm talking a lot. But it comes just after Faramir says, Do you wish, then, said Faramir, that our places had been exchanged? You know, meaning him and Boromir. Yes, I wish that indeed, said Denethor, for Boromir was loyal to me and no wizard's pupil. He would have remembered his father's need and would have not squandered what fortune gave. He would have brought me a mighty gift. And so, like, in that moment, Denethor recognizes that Faramir could have brought him the One Ring. And he chose not to. And he fucking says that he's a wizard's pupil because he believes that he chose not to do that because he's working more on behalf of Gandalf than for his own father. And then, you know, the whole other conversation happens here. Um, (laughs) But I just, I don't know. Really, all I'm trying to say is I, I really like how savvy Faramir and Denethor are and, like... I feel like they respond in very believable and compelling ways for people who supposedly have this power to, like, read people's minds or quickly piece together hidden information. And so Denethor doesn't ask, like, wait a minute, did that hobbit have the one ring? He just immediately starts calling out Faramir because he doesn't have to fucking ask. He just knows immediately. He's like, you fucking piece of shit. This is why I wish you died instead of Boromir. He would have brought me the fucking ring. And I was like, holy shit. So anyways, what do you guys make of all that? Yeah, no, I think I think you you summed it up pretty well. It's it's uh it's it, it's all um exchanged, you know, without without a word. Um 
and yeah, I I, uh, I I I think that that kind of sets the tone for for uh, Faramir's homecoming, um, which we kind of knew, kind of knew that was going to to be an issue, um, and of course, yeah. it, of course it was. But uh, I don't know. You know, it's 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 it is something I wish what was kind of dug into with with some more detail and and in uh, you know I, I mean I guess it's not it's not a subject that they really want to be talking about out loud either. But uh, yeah, you know, especially with the enemy encroaching upon them. But. Um, yeah, I mean, I I was hoping to kind of get some more ring debate or some ring envy. It is interesting, though. You know, when when, when Gandalf and Denethor talk about it, and Denethor is is really assuring him, like, no, the safest place is with me, and we can bury it, and 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 I'm all all guard right. it. You know, we'll guard it for the rest of eternity. It'll be safe and. And, uh, um, you know, he, you know, Denethor is like, uh, he, I don't care if, if like you think that that's, that's true or not. Cause you know, I just know it is. And, and then Gandalf's like, no, I think you're absolutely wrong. That's, 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 you know, that, <laughs> that, that, that's not even close to the best, best case scenario here. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's kind of something that, that, uh, we we had built built too, and I'm happy it it it, it was at least brought up. Yeah, and there's like a couple interesting points, even going off of like what you're mentioning there, because I like that Gandalf mentions why the ring wasn't just sent to Minas Tirith. It feels like another another like sort of commentary on how the best plan could possibly be giving it to like two hobbits and throwing them into the the land of the enemy which Denethor is is railing against in this chapter too he's like yeah. how the fuck you know could could you have thought that was the right thing to do Gandalf which is another really interesting discussion for them to have because obviously that's like the plot of the story um so it's like really funny to have a character be like that's fucking stupid you gave it to a hobbit are you fucking crazy and gandalf's like well i didn't trust you um and it seems like i was right to not trust you and and also it's it's another moment that i think gives more context to boromir's fall and death because we see from Denethor's, like, framing of it that, you know, more than than what we've already discussed in that, like, Boromir is especially compelled to get the ring because he's been raised in this environment of, like, constant war. He's one of, like, the few... He's part of one of the, the few groups of people that actually fight against, like, the darkness you know, Gondor is, like, in its own little secluded pocket world where they're fighting orcs and, like, no one else in Middle-earth even knows that that's happening, um, which is weird enough as it is. And so, like, he's particularly 
predisposed to want to have like this means of great power. But even more than that, Denethor is his dad. And, like, clearly is telling him, hey, Boromir, you're going to go on this journey, and, like, if you, you know, find something that's, like, a means of great power, hint, hint, wink, wink, maybe, like, the one ring, uh, you're going to bring it back to me. You know, just, just in the same way that it's sort of tragic for Faramir, as you kind of pointed out, Connor, you know, it's sort of tragic for Faramir to be living for his father and to be doing these things against his own will for Denethor, I think, in hindsight, you're kind of meant to consider, is that true for Boromir, too? Are even the things that you don't like about Boromir, i.e., especially at the end, him trying to forcibly take the ring from Frodo, is that also out of this desperation to obey Denethor's orders? and bring the ring back to Gondor, no matter what. Because I kind of think that's how Denethor frames it here. That's what he's telling the Faramir. He's like, well, Boromir would have brought me the ring. So what did you do, you know? You know, that's a good what point. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I think I I, I, I think that's that's a good point, and, and I, hadn't, uh, I hadn't thought about it in in that context but it, it i think it certainly informs both both of those characters uh responses to um being in 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 the presence of the ring and uh outlines the the differences between them um yeah i i uh I mean, they're they're obviously there there are some of their influences you know and and you can clearly see um, how their upbringing informed uh, their their leadership styles and and uh, you know responses and and duty to to their 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 people and their um, their home and how that kind of um, how that kind of is displayed in different ways, I guess. And given that, does that make you reconsider your opinion on Boromir? I mean, no, not really. I, I think it, <laughs> like, it, it just, it, it just informs me, you know, it's, it's, it, it, you know, tells me why he is the way he is, I guess, a little bit. Um, doesn't necessarily make it, okay or or something that i approve of i mean and you know just just because i i i dislike him doesn't necessarily mean i think he's a bad character you know i i I don't really think that um i i think he's a good part of the book good, good part of the story um especially especially after the fact after he he dies i think it's it's you know that that his 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 character and his actions have reverberated so much um, since his death that 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 makes his character even more intriguing to me and and uh, um, but it, I mean you know I do still think he's a bastard and I don't like him. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. 
Um, Josh, anything you want to add on to that? Or maybe, if not, something else in the chapter you might want to mention? Um, I don't really have much that you guys really covered everything on that. <laughs> the uh, And my other, other notes are just kind of jokes. So doesn't seem fitting to oh, kind of jump right into that. Come on, come on. Let's, let's hear, hear a few. Let's, I, hear, let's lighten um, the mood here. Come on. All right. Well, because it's just... Uh, no, I'll leave that one for last. Um, when... But do them like Jerry Seinfeld would. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> okay. um, <laughs> uh, when the messages come to Denethor and tell him that the, the first cir- circle of the city is burning, Lord, uh, what are your commands? You're still the Lord of the Sword. Uh, not all will follow Mithrandir. Men are flying from the walls and leaving them unmanned. Why? Why do the fools fly? <laughs> Don't fly, you fools. <laughs> yeah, we, I, we get an inversion of Gandalf there, huh? Exactly. And I just made me wonder, wait, is Denethor the, the anti-Gandalf in this? Well, I guess that it depends on what context we're looking at Gandalf. It's just like uh, as like a leader, then it's Denethor. But if it's like he, he, as Gandalf the White, I think it's going to end up being like the the captain of the, the Nazgul. Nova, hey, that's enough. Yeah, I see what you mean, though. So, like, yeah, like no, in I, terms of the the enemies, that's like maybe Gandalf's opposition or or opposite, but right. But and Denethor and Gandalf allies. are at odds too, right? Yeah. Uh, and then my last note is just the stupid meme of Grand. It's just Grand. Yeah, I have seen that. Grand, Grand, <laughs> Grand, Grand. Yeah. So Good the stuff. the battle is really cool. It is. This is, I feel like, kind of maybe the most battle description we've gotten. Because I feel like a lot of times Tolkien writes a lot more like Frank Herbert when it comes to battle scenes. And we don't really get, like, detailed descriptions of the fight itself. It's not really about that. And yet here... um, he spends a lot more time on like the the siege itself, and there's yeah. some pretty. I, I would say unsettling moments or graphic depictions. Not in like a you know ESRB rating where I'm gonna tell anyone, hey, be careful about reading Tolkien, but like. I do feel like in the context of the story he's been writing so far, he ups the ante in this chapter in a way that I wasn't expecting him to do. Yeah, I, I mean, just yeah. just the um, just the idea that you know Denethor is is you know suicidal, um, and you know wants to just end it all with, with you know with his son in a blaze of of. Not of glory, but but of of you know tragedy or sadness. Um, that's it's very dark, very very dark for 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 Tolkien. Yeah, and the moment that really made me pause was when they start launching the severed heads of all the people they've already yeah, killed was, over the walls. That was fucking dark. Yes. 
I was like, are you shitting me? Because, like, I'm much more used to thinking about the orcs. You know, Peter Jackson, it's not that the orcs aren't threatening, but I feel like in the two towers, like, they're kind of used, like, comic relief is too far. They're not, like, you know, Three Stooges kind of shit. But there are moments where the orcs are funny. You know, it's like they're so single-minded and they kind of just got two rocks to bang together for a brain that like things that they do are funny. And yet here we see the ruthlessness of the orcs depicted in a way that hasn't really been shown before. And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize we were going to do the catapulting the severed heads of friends and family onto the survivors bit. Um... You know, that was a choice. Yeah. He's a sick fuck. Should be thrown in. There's <laughs> I I too am also pretty ready to wrap up, but um <laughs> just to finish off my notes here, I thought it was interesting that when uh someone's about to mention to Denethor, I think it's Gandalf, like Gandalf's about to mention to Denethor that the leader of the Nazgul, the king of Angmar, he's here. But before he says that, he kind of just like vaguely hints at it. And Pippin guesses instead that the Dark Lord himself is here. He's like, is it Sauron? Yeah. And Denethor laughs, which is a great Denethor moment. But um, I just thought it was interesting that Pippin considers like that that could be true it, it really makes me it kind of made me pause and think about like even what other characters think Sauron is because we've had some conversations like what even is Sauron and how does he manifest himself or does he even have a physical form like those are questions that we've asked as readers and it kind of felt like Pippin asking this question, like, could it be Sauron? And Denethor and Gandalf are like, what? No, like, you fucking idiot. Why would it be <laughs> Sauron? Um, kind of felt like a moment where where it's like, the characters who know a lot of shit know that there's no fucking way it would be Sauron. The characters who don't know a lot of shit, and like we've said, Pippin and Mary sort of are a bit of an audience conduit too ask those questions that the audience might ask. And so I thought that was an interesting moment. Um, and really the, the last thing I want to mention here is this small specific thing. Um, Denethor... I don't know if I'm going to find the actual line now. Let me see. Uh, okay. I don't see it right away, so I, I won't look any further for it. But anyways, when... When uh, Denethor makes the decision to take... Faramir and himself to the funeral pyre. Tolkien writes this line saying that Denethor is leaning on a staff. I noticed that too. 
Did it make you think of anything, or... Uh, no, I just mean I noticed that detail. I was like, oh, he has a staff now. Okay. Sorry. Well, here's why I wanted to bring it up. Because um, I'm pretty sure even in just the previous chapter that we read, but if not that one, then then certainly in another one not too long ago, um, Theoden mentions how he'll no longer lean on a staff. Um, That's why it picked up on it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Like, there. Like I can't remember the exact context, but for some reason, Theoden says, like, Aemir, I think, warns him about something, or and Theoden's like, you know, I'll no longer lean on a staff. Um, yep. Which is representative of, you know, Theoden taking charge for himself and for his people and like becoming a proactive and uh you know self-assured ruler in his own right and so like here at denethor's collapse and ruin tolkien chooses to include this line of him leaning on this staff to, I, I think, to, like, completely cement, even visually, that, like, Denethor cannot even support himself physically at this point, much like how Theoden was under the the corruption of Wormtongue. You know, like, Denethor is um, crushed under this hopelessness, and the visual metaphor he chooses to show that is him leaning on a staff. So I thought it was interesting that he included that line there, even though I can't find it, but I, I do know it's in there because I took a note on it. So yeah. Um. So yeah, there's certainly a lot happening here. Really, I'm I'm still kind of surprised at how quickly it feels like Return of the King has taken off because we're four chapters in um in my copy just over 100 pages read already yep yep and um i'm at over a thousand crazy (laughs) and a lot of this has to do with you know it's like war is finally upon us that's the thing that i feel like tolkien's really driving home it's like the first two books so much time War were declared. So much time is dedicated to the amassing of Sauron's forces and the coming of the war that, like, you almost roll your eyes and you're like, sure, Tolkien, whatever, like, get on with it. But Return of the King, like, this truly is the war. And we're finally reading about it. It were declared. (laughs) It so were. So, um... Yeah, and then, you know, like we mentioned, we're kind of left with this cliffhanger. Like, not only is Gandalf sort of having this showdown with the Nazgul, King of Angmar, but then the Riders of Rohan are uh, just showing up, and Pippin is also, in the midst of all this, trying to figure out how they're going to... (laughs) Try to figure out who wet his pants. (laughs) Yeah, like... Who, who is going to stop Denethor and Faramir from burning themselves alive? So there's, like, a lot happening. And, you know, presumably we're going to have to wait to address the conclusion of these events uh, in the next next discussion. But, um, 
Maybe we don't even know. But the, yeah, this the next this two chapters a are really big chunk. Yeah, well, no, it, it is a big chunk. The next the next two discussions we have are actually going to be relatively short compared to these last two. Um, well, I the chapters, the, the chapters are the, the chapters, the, the chapters we have to read. The discussions are probably uh, yeah, I, I I would not on. bet on that. There's been a lot to talk about. There has been a lot to there talk about. Been, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And on that note, is there, is there anything else we want to say? Happy holidays, because this is going to come out sometime in January, if I had to bet. <laughs> it is, yes. This is going to come out in January. So we hope you had a happy holidays. Yes. Um, we even though we're, we're actually recording this before Christmas. Yeah. yeah, we have some shopping to do. We're about three weeks ahead, so... Hmm. Um, yeah, we hope Definitely you had a pretty good happy holidays. Sorry that that we didn't, uh, you know, that we forgot to to wish you uh, Merry Christmas or uh, whatever holiday you you celebrate sooner. Um, happy New Year. Um, it's not because we f- forgot. It's just because you know, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, podcasty. Wildcast-y. Yeah, even Wildcast-y. <laughs> even our own chapter chumps timeline isn't quite uh, in in the way that you would expect it. Much like the Lord of the Rings books, right? Very maybe true. We should, yeah, maybe we know, should read a time story, time travel story at some point. I we will, we will. Um, I other uh, than hitchhikers. Yeah, I, I guess that that does count. Um, I think Tolkien maybe was was the first wibbly wobbly timey wimey writer. No, that isn't true. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're right. That was Shakespeare. That was Shakespeare. I don't know, buddy. What? You I don't know. You think? I, can I you prove? Can, can you prove that there was no time travel in any of Shakespeare's works? No. Well. Um, I'm not saying that Shakespeare doesn't have wibbly wobbly timey wimey, but that's more because of ghosts. Um, yeah. But but all I mean was my my I don't know was like you know it's not Tolkien like Tolkien's not the not the one. That's Neo. <laughs> <laughs> He's beginning to believe. Are we gonna? Are we going to read the Matrix novelization? Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> uh, anyways, folks, if you uh, liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so at patreon.com slash chapter chumps. Um, if, if you want to follow us on social media, we are at chapter chumps on both Twitter and Instagram, um, but only active on Twitter. And sometimes we do tweet about the episodes. Um, usually we don't, but sometimes, sometimes we don't. Once in a while, once in a while we do. Um, you, Connor, Connor, what have you been tweeting about recently? I, I just to give an update to the listeners. Uh, I mean, it's usually I'm I'm a lot of times lately I've been replying to people. So yeah. if if He's someone says something out. about like. Star Wars or AI or like I'll tell you like go fuck yourself or like yeah. get fucked or like you know like fuck your own dick or like yeah, something so like I've that. You know? that. I've, yeah, I've seen the classic fuck your own dick reply. That's yeah. a good one. Um, so yeah, if you like that, you know, if you're into that kind of thing, go follow us at Chapter Chumps. Um, but most importantly, please please uh, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. 
and other uh, podcast platforms, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, but until next time, folks. Never mind the cock buzz. Here's the end of the podcast. Damn. <laughs>